Good morning, all you cold bravers out there. Welcome to those who are tuning in on Zoom or later online. So glad you could join us this morning. So this week, uh, recently, someone posted on Facebook, uh, there's an official New York State website uh, of unclaimed funds. Uh, and you can go on there and see if you're owed any money. And I thought, this, this, this can't be right. So I went on there just for laughs to check it out. And it's actually legit. Um, there's actually over $18 billion in unclaimed money, uh, according to the uh, state controller's office. Uh, according to a news article I read about it, common examples of where that money might come from include savings or checking accounts that have been forgotten, uncashed checks, uh, telephone or utility deposits, rental security deposits, wages uh, uncollected, insurance benefits uncollected, safe deposit box contents, mortgage insurance refunds, stocks, dividends, mutual, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Lots of ways that there's been $18 billion accumulated um, so just, just for giggles, I, I went on the site and I put my name in and I, I realized there's a lot of Ron Silvers in New York. And they're all downstate, but, um, and some, some, some of them were there, uh, but not me, I wasn't there. Put my dad's name in, he wasn't there. Put Kate's name in and her, her parent, no, nobody, was, nobody I knew was in there. Um, but anyway, wouldn't it be something though if you went on a site like that and all of a sudden found that there was like $20,000 sitting somewhere just with your name on it waiting to claim, right? What if I told you that for many of us, there is an unclaimed check from Almighty God sitting in an account with our name on it just waiting to be cashed? Would you be interested? I would think so. And the, the intriguing thing about it is that in order to receive this gift, we have to give it away. If we hold on to it, it does us absolutely no good. But when we give it away, we get the benefit from it. And what I'm talking about this morning is the gift of worship. Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. Kind of zoom in on heaven this morning and the four living creatures each of them with six wings are full of eyes all around and within and day and night they never cease to say holy 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 is the lord god almighty who was and is and is to come can you imagine that scene in heaven with god upon his throne jesus at his right hand right and, and these living beings and myriads of angels surrounding the throne, worshiping God in perfection day and night. How glorious that must be. So let me ask you this. If, 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 if they have all that, right, does God need our worship? No, He doesn't need our worship. Matter of fact, we've talked about this before, God needs nothing, right? He is absolutely complete in Himself, secure in Himself. He needs absolutely nothing from anybody. So if that's the case, why do the Scriptures exhort us over and over and over to worship? Listen to Psalm 150 this morning. 
Praise the Lord. Praise Him, God, in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp and guitar. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud crashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Why are we exhorted like this? Why over and over? It's not for God, is it? It's for us. It's for us. I'm going to show you why in a minute. But first, let's, let's define it. What is worship? Our English word worship comes from two words, worth and ship. So what we're doing is expressing that God has worth to us. Right? And who else is more worthy? Right? Worship is simply a response to who God is. No wonder them around the throne seeing God in all His glory worship Him day and night. They see Him in His greatness, in His, His awesomeness, in His majesty. And their response is worship. Some time ago, we went through the Gospel of John together. I don't know if you, know if you remember that, if you were here at the time. We went through the Gospel of John. John referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Okay, Jesus had his inner circle, Peter, James, and John, right? But John and Jesus had a special relationship. They had a close relationship. At the Last Supper, John, remember, he was the one that leaned back against you. That was the place of honor, right, at, at, at a, a supper like that. They were very, very close. But John, this same John, had a vision on the Lord's Day, and he was taken up into heaven, and he saw Jesus, the risen Christ, in all of his glory. And Revelation chapter uh, don't have it in this one. The Bible says, "When I saw him, I fell down at his feet like a dead man." Can you imagine that? He fell down at the feet of Christ like a dead man. Why? Because he saw him in all of his glory. That's all he could do. Responding to his glory was to fall down at his feet in worship. If you and I could really get a glimpse of Jesus, if you and I could get a glimpse like they do in heaven of God upon the throne, we could do nothing else, could we, but fall down at His feet in the, in, the, in the presence of His glory. We probably just hit our faces because He is so awesome, incredibly awesome. But again, God doesn't need us to fall at His feet. He doesn't need us to, to, to worship. We talked a little about uh, last week about how worship turns the world right side up, doesn't it? For us, when we get that view of who God is, meditating on His glory, on His goodness, on His majesty, on His power, right? Um, on His forgiveness, it just puts the world 
right side up. When we look at Him in His power and His majesty and His sovereignty against our problems, our problems get into perspective, don't they? When we look at His, His love for us, His incredible love for us through the cross and what He accomplished for us, right? It gives us peace and comfort and joy, doesn't it? Puts the world right again. Sometimes, well, at least for me, I get a little too big for my britches and kind of think that the world revolves around me sometimes. Anybody else kind of get that way? When we look at God and who He is, it gives us a new perspective, doesn't it? And when we give that gift of worship away, when we express our worship for God, when we engage in exalting Him and worshiping Him, we get the return of the peace and the joy and the strength and the comfort, don't we? Yeah, so when we give it away, we get the return. Back in the 80s, there was a song, if you remember it, um, Patti LaBelle, A New Attitude. I'm feeling good from my head to my shoes. Okay, now you know what. Um, it, was, it was a theme song for Dr. Laura Schlesinger's show, right? Um, attitude. We see how uh, in, in that song, and, and, and we know, right? A change of attitude can have a profound effect on our lives, can't it? Chuck Swindoll, if you've heard that name, Insight for Living. I cut my teeth uh, in my Christian life listening to him and, and others. Um, pastor, author, great, great, great uh, theologian, Bible teacher. He said this, and I, I've seen this uh, copied on, on secular things in business and stuff like this. He says, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think, say, or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is that we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play the one string that we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced, says Swindoll, that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. That's good, isn't it? And so it is with you, he says. We are in charge of our attitudes. I believe that worship is the thing, the biggest thing, the thing that makes the biggest change in our attitude that we can have as Christians is worship. Worship. And that can have a profound effect on our lives. Contrary-wise, when we don't worship, right? when we get all caught up in what people are doing, what people are saying, the things that are happening to us, right? then what do we have? We have anxiety. We have stress. We have depression. We have on and on and on and on. Anger, bitterness, resentment. 
But worship changes all that and brings us back to peace and joy and strength and hope, doesn't it? I want to give you four ways today to incorporate worship in our lives. I titled the message, The Gift of Worship, this morning. Four ways to incorporate worship into our lives. One, worship in prayer. Two, worship in song. Three, worship in the church. And four, worship as a lifestyle. We talked a little about um, worship in prayer last week. And I, and I want to use the word prayer this week in a much broader sense. Not, not uh, necessarily... Um, because we, we talk about prayer, right? What is prayer? Prayer is communicating with God, right? So I want to I broaden that a bit. So, so not saying that prayer is, uh, okay, it's, it's, it's you know, 6.30 in the morning and I'm, and I'm knelt down you know, and I'm praying and that's my prayer time and that's when, when I can work. No, worship can take place in the shower. Can I get a witness? Anybody? All right. In the car. Lots of times in the car, right? Anywhere, you know, out in, out in the woods, you know, just giving thanks to God and praise to God for the beauty that he's given us. Worship can take place anytime, anywhere, can't it? Anytime we want to communicate with God, right? Prayer. We can worship. We can worship. Years ago, I read a book called There is Power in Praise. And I read that book, and there were so many testimonies of what God did in people's lives as they entered into praising Him. Right? Test miracles that were happening in the lives of people. And I decided right then and there that I was going to praise the Lord. Can I be real honest with you this morning? Though we have to be intentional about worship, you can't just mouth the words. Right? Um, I, mean, I mean, there were some examples in, in this book like, oh, how I praise you. Oh, how I think. I don't talk like that. You know what I'm saying? You, you can't, for it's got to be genuine. It's got to come from the heart. You can't just bring out the praise words, right? Um, and how, how do we do that? Well, again, if worship is a response to who God is, we need to see Him. We need to see Him. How do we see God better than any time else is through His Word, don't we? So in looking at what the Scriptures tell us about who God is, meditating on those truths, thinking on those truths, we begin to get a vision of God. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Right? We get that glimpse of God and then we begin to respond to Him. Uh, I can give you a whole list of scriptures uh, if, if you want. Uh, I'll do that if anyone's interested. Just let me know. But let me give you a few just to show you what I mean. And they're not up on the screen. Listen to these this morning. Psalm 104, 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. Jeremiah 32, 17, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth. By your great power and by your outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. 
Isaiah 40, 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the Creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Colossians 1.16, For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. If Jesus let it all go, it would all explode, wouldn't it? He holds everything in creation. He holds it together. Right? Scientists, I, I love this, when I, when I meditate on this, scientists don't know what holds atoms together because you, you got those you know, things in there and they should be repelling each other. They don't know what it is. I know what it is. The Bible tells me what it is. It's Jesus, right? Holding everything together. Psalm 145, 8, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. How many of us need that at times, right? The Lord is good to all, and His mercy is over all that He has made. Romans 5.8, But God shows His love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In Romans 5.1 and 2, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope. Of the glory of God. Do you see it? As you, as you look at those scriptures, we see who God is and what God does. And we begin to meditate and our hearts just get lifted up to Him and we say, God, you died for me while a sinner. Thank you. Thank you that you are so gracious. Thank you that you are loving and kind. Lord, I see your power and your glory. I praise you for who you are majesty, your awesomeness. You're bigger than my problems, Lord. Bigger than my difficulties. And I worship you. You're God and I'm not. And I worship you. Right? Our hearts engaging in worship. Christianwebsite.com That's a real thing. says, we praise God for who He is. His holiness, sovereignty, faithfulness, mercy, and love. And we praise Him for what He has done. His creation of the universe, salvation through Jesus, guidance in our lives, and countless acts of grace and protection. Right? We not only worship the Lord for who He is, but also for what He's done. We look back over our lives and we say, remember when, remember when our, our eight-month-old son went down the cellar stairs in his walker and should have died. And how God brought us through that. And we look at this strong young man today, right? And we worship. We thank God for the things that he's brought us through. The difficulties, right? How he's been there for us. Worship. And that strengthens us, doesn't it? Not when we hold it in, but when we give it away, then we reap the benefit from it. Again, this can happen anywhere anytime, out loud in our hearts or quietly. I mean, out loud or quietly in our hearts, right? The Bible talks about singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, doesn't it? Which is a good way to segue into number two, worship in song. Now, I don't know about you, 
But there was a time in my life when I discovered the difference between singing Christian songs and entering into worship. When, when I wasn't just like singing around a campfire, la-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, but I began to engage with God. I began to hear those words and put my heart into it and express those same thoughts to God. And I would experience His presence and our hearts would come together. Right? Worship in song. There's something about music, right? Music is another gift from God, isn't it? That opens our heart like nothing else. And most of us have experienced this even in secular music, haven't we? You remember the songs you grew up in? Why were they so special? Because people were expressing thoughts that you couldn't necessarily put into words, right? But they were what you were feeling and your heart just jived together with that music, didn't it? Or, or as a couple, this is they're playing our song, right? This was the song that brings back the memories, right? Opens up our hearts. Same thing with, with worship music. It's, it's designed to open up our hearts so that we can connect with those words and connect with God through those words. How many of us have um, been uplifted uh, or touched deeply with songs like In the Garden, right? Songs like Holy, 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 or Amazing Grace, or The Old Rugged Cross. How many of us have joined in the celebration of Your grace is enough for me, right? Worship in song, powerful ways to connect our heart and the heart of God together. And if it's not a regular part of your personal spiritual life, I would encourage you to make use of it more and more. Experience the blessings that it brings to your heart and life. Number three, worship in the church. Worship in the church. We worship in the church in several ways. One of them is obviously in song, right? We open our service with worship in song. Here in our church, we use a, a variety of different styles. We have different worship leaders who, who, who pick their songs for the week, th- songs that are meaningful to them. And you have different, different musical styles in all of it, right? Can I encourage you this morning? Don't put style over substance. Don't put style over substance. Don't make style an idol. Say, Pastor, what, what, what do you mean? Let me illustrate this way. Let me, let, me, let me be honest with you this morning. Several years ago, I was at a, a men's getaway with the guys from our church. And uh, uh, we, we, we spent a couple of overnights, and it was, it was this guy's time together. And they announced, the pastor announced, we're going to have this special worship leader come in. And when he came in and, and he walked up to the front, he was carrying an accordion. That's what I thought. I said, okay, is this, you know, I didn't know whether this was real or a joke or what. And he started to play the accordion and he started, now, no, no offense to anybody who loves the accordion. I, I can like an accordion at times. Um, but <laughs> my, my, any, any Farside fans? 
of my favorite Far Side cartoons, split screen, right? They're, they're going into heaven, they're handing out harps, they're going the other way and they're handing out accordions. But anyway, um, <laughs> again, no offense to accordion players. I, 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 I can certainly in, in, enjoy it. Um, but so he started to play and he started to sing and they were songs that I knew. I, I just couldn't get over the instrument. I'm, I'm, I'm trying and, and I'm, I'm struggling. I'm struggling big time with this. And, and I remember saying to the Lord, you know, I, I mean, I just, I just couldn't sing. And I'm, I'm saying to the Lord, God, you, you know, I'm struggling with this. And I remember the Lord spoke back to my heart and he said, am I worthy? Am I still worthy of your worship? And I said, well, of course you are, Lord. And he said, what have you put in front of me in your heart? Your style? What's first? What's number one? Me or your preference? And I went, both. And I began to focus, not on the instrument, but on the words that were being sung to my awesome God. Words of praise, words expounding on his glory. And I began to sing along with those words, focusing on him. And I can tell you honestly, by the end of that week, that accordion made no difference whatsoever because God was the object of my worship. Amen. Young and old, right? It doesn't matter whether a song was written in 1524 or 2024. The Bible talks about psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. God loves it all, doesn't he? So don't make style the, the big thing, you know? We, yes, we have preferences, but don't make style a big thing. Focus on the Word. Focus on the Lord. He's worthy of our praise. Amen? Song is not the only way that we worship in church. Right? Um, we worship when we pray together. Don't we? God's worthy. God's, we, we, we look to Him to hear our prayers that we bring before Him, knowing that He listens, knowing that He is awesome. Uh, we, we worship when we take communion together, don't we? Acknowledging what Jesus has done for us. We can even worship when we fellowship together, when we greet one another in the morning, give each other a hug. How you doing, right? We are, we are grateful in our hearts to God for the body of Christ and our loved ones that are here gathered together. We're worshiping. Right? We worship when we tune our ears to the Word of God. We're saying, God... What you have to say from your word, that's important to me. So I'm tuning in, and I'm asking, Lord, speak to me. I want to hear from you, right? <laughs> speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Yeah. Seeking him for direction or whatever else he wants to speak to us through his word. We worship when we work together to minister to the church or community, BBS, fish fry, right, coming up. All these things that we work on together because God is worthy of our time and of our effort, isn't he? Worship. 
worship. And when we do that despite differences of opinions, because we're going to have those at times, right? Choosing to love one another and, and, and put one another ahead of ourselves. Because God says so. And so it's worship. And you know what that is? That's worship as a lifestyle, isn't it? Yeah. We express the worth of God in our lives when we spend time with Him. And when we, when we look at what He's told us what to do and what not to do, and we say, God, I want to go your way. When we listen to Him. Right? When, he, when we follow His instructions, we're saying, God, you're worthy. You're worthy to be followed. You're worthy to be listened to. You happen to be the, the most wise being in the universe by, you know, billions and billions. You're worth listening to. You're worth following. When we truly see Him for who He really is, what else can we do but worship? Worship. When I survey the wondrous cross, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. He's worthy. Because you and I have encountered the living God. Not, not just some practice of religion, set of rules, do's and don'ts. We have encountered the living God. And He didn't smite us dead. Ooh, woke some people up on that one. Right? He expressed His love for us. He reached to us through Christ and said, I want you as part of my kingdom. I want you in my life. I love you. And so we respond in worship to our great and glorious God. Who He is and what He's done for us. He's worthy of our worship. Amen? Let's pray. Oh, Father, do open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. Help us to see you. As we open up your word, as we, as we see these scriptures that expound on who you are, your majesty, your glory, your greatness, your power, but also your tender mercies, your faithfulness, your love, your grace. May we be struck by who you are and give you our worship. In prayer, song, church, and as a lifestyle. You're an awesome God. Thank you. Thank you for making yourself known to us. As we're here this morning, has He made Himself known to you? Has He revealed the love that He has for you, to you? The Bible says that God sent Jesus 
because he so loved the world. Giving that son who died on that cross, taking the, our sin and the penalty for our sin so that we could be forgiven, made clean, filled with his spirit, adopted by him as his children and enter into that grace in which we stand. And if you've not opened that gift, I encourage you to do so. Call out to him. The Bible says, they that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you believe that gospel, you believe that Jesus died and rose again for you, open your heart to him. Call out to him. Say, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior and my Lord. Teach me what it is to know you and walk with you. And I thank you for it. Christ, I pray.